Paratopia, it's Jeremy Vaney. I've been thinking about this question in my little head of how do we listen and how do we form meaning and is there a way to form meaning without overlaying our own fears and expectations onto what we hear? Um, and in thinking about this, it morphed into a show idea of not how do we listen, but why do we listen? Specifically, why do we podcasters listen? Why do we do what we do? So I've gathered a cavalcade of podcasting all-stars to ask them, why is it they do what they do? What do they get out of it and all of that? And uh, here's what they have to say. Uh, Angela Joyner, our very, very first guest, our very special guest, our delicious, gorgeous guest. Angela Joyner. That's right. Uh, Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for doing this so last minute. You're welcome. No problem. Um, I was really uh, excited to talk to you out of uh, everyone because, you know, of the way that you were thrust onto the scene. You had this this giant um, UFO sighting that you were thrust into investigating, and then... You know, you got all these offers for things and landed yourself a radio show. And so you've sort of come in from the outside world and you've taken a look at this paranormal stuff and the people promoting it. And you've had, what, over a year now that you've been on the air or about a year? Um, let's see. My The year anniversary is in May for the Joyner Report. So a little over a year, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so... <sighs> You know, we often talk about the people involved and all that, but I want to talk about the phenomenon. What was your take on, oh, well, your show deals mostly with ufology, right? Yes. Okay, so what was your take on UFOs and supposed aliens and all of that stuff uh, prior to diving into ufology and becoming um, a sort of celebrity in the culture? And and how has it mutated or evolved uh, through through time? Well, before the Stephenville stories, I really didn't even look at the UFO phenomenon. I, I really didn't know there was a UFO community, you know. And um, I, I I might have watched something on TV and thought it was interesting, but that's about as, as far as it went with me. And then once I wrote the Stephenville stories and um, there was so much publicity and and you know, I had hundreds, if not thousands, of of emails. You know, people emailing me, and I, I was really overwhelmed. I was like, "Oh my gosh, where, what is going on here?" And um, then, you know, I started getting the invitations to speak here and there. And uh, once I got to the conferences, I was like, "You know, there are some very smart people here." I was surrounded with people with. Uh, PhDs and uh, people that had been researching for 30 years and um, that had a lot of knowledge, and, and I, w I was surprised. And um, I was thinking, you know, this is not a field where, uh, like a lot of people might think, that there's a lot of uh, tinfoil hat type people. It's not that much of that. But, you know, the further I got into it, the, the more confused I became um, because I would read something on the Internet and think, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, one was that uh, Phil Snyder story. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not certain. 
I, I, I read that and I thought, golly, what is going on here? Well, it's the one where, you know, he claims that um, he was under uh, uh, in an underground base in Dulce and, and they had an alien shootout. And, he, oh, okay. and I watched yeah. it on YouTube, you know, and he holds up his hand and he has a couple of fingers missing. Right, right. I remember. And, um, you know, he he was so believable. And then I start talking to other researchers. Oh, well, you know, something about his background. Um, you know, if he went to school when he said he did, he would have started when he was 12 or something. And I was like, well, how in the hell are you supposed to figure all this out, you know? You've got to rely on other researchers, really, that have already, um, you know, found the flaws in somebody's story. And, and so then it's like, well, who do you believe and, and who do you not believe? It's so convoluted. It's that part has been very frustrating for me. Um, mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, you talk to one person and they have an argument for why it's so. You talk to another person and they have an argument for why it is not that way. And uh, and there's so many stories out there that, you know, I, I feel like, well, probably what I need to do is, something like what Grant Cameron has done and just, you know, he focuses on presidents and what they know or don't know and just, you know, sticks with that one area. Otherwise, it, you're, you're so overwhelmed, you, you can't get anywhere. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you also, um, you got into the upper echelon crowd pretty immediately of people who run conferences and, you know, are reaching for the brass ring and not, in my opinion at least, are not really into this to really figure out what it's about. They've already got their theories of what it is and they're there to defend them and at all costs. Uh, so I think, yeah, I got to think it's it's tough to parse out. And especially, like you said, when someone's got a PhD and they seem completely credible on paper and then you talk to them or you talk to other researchers and realize... Uh, things ain't all what they look like on paper. Uh, <laughs> it gets a little tricky. But um, just in terms of the phenomena itself, um, I imagine about you that when you started looking into this, you thought it's got to be aliens in spaceships coming here, if it's anything at all. Um, is that true? No, no. When I first got into this, you know, with the Stephenville story, I really thought, you know, okay, it must be something military, but, you know, and, but then that didn't make sense to me when, you know, we kept having sightings. I'm like, well, why would they keep flying it over here where everybody's looking up now? And then we had that whole mess with, uh, you know, the Carswell um, base you know, saying they had nothing in there. And then two weeks later, oh, well, we had 10 F-16s in the air that night. We had a miscommunication. And um, so then I, <laughs> people started writing to me, about, oh, yeah, this is how it always goes, you know. Um, the military, uh, you know, is just trying to, to put up an excuse. This is what they always do, you know, saying that's what people saw. And um, now, after... <laughs> Doing so many interviews, um, I, I sort of lean towards, okay, maybe we are being visited, 
but where is the really, you know, hardcore evidence of that? You know, and, and people say, is it going to take um, them landing on the White House lawn? Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. Because for every story, you know, there is uh, that somebody really thinks it's a true story, then if there's somebody else who really thinks it's not, it gives reasons why. So just it's just all confusing. And, you know, really, Jeremy, about uh, just a couple of months ago, I went through a real hard thing where I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to go back to my old life and I just you know what it's just too too much of a mess it, and uh but then like I was telling you earlier you know I think I would be like a in a way I'm like a bear caught in a trap and I have to chew off on my own foot to get out of it because I'm really interested in it and I really want to know what's going on and then but it seems like there's no way to find out for sure right <laughs> that's always a problem um when you're actually doing your podcast, what do you listen with the intention? Uh, what what do you listen with the intention of, and what do you bring to the table? I imagine you were a reporter, so you bring a pretty good ear for for BS, right? Well, I would like to think that, yeah. Um, and then, what do you listen for? I mean, is it for your own uh, growth? Is it because you want to figure out what the other person is about? What is your intention in actually doing a podcast? Well, really, my show is, I think, for people that are like me, that really didn't know anything about the UFO field and all of the stories and the community, the people that are involved. Um, so it's, it's just kind of a learning process for me, as well as um, people, you know, that haven't been in the field for 30 years, because... Um, I imagine that uh, somebody like uh, Bruce McAbee or uh, Stanton Friedman would find my show very boring. But, uh, say, someone um, that only got interested when I did because of the Stevensville sightings, then uh, they would, you know, be able to learn something like I am. And, and I just kind of look at it like that. Well, Okay, I may be asking uh, questions that uh, have already been answered by other researchers, but I don't know the answer, so I'm going to ask them anyway. And, uh, you know, it's kind of an invitation to uh, to come along with me and learn as I learn. That's, that's sort of how I look at the show. Mm-hmm. And I won't uh, – with this question, I won't ask you to name names. I, I'm just curious. Um, are, are there people that you have befriended in this field that – you then found out were shady characters or just flat out lying. Um, and if so, at that point, what, what did you do? Okay. I'm just trying to think of an example. Um, I, you know, I really, I can't think of anybody that I found out that was flat out lying. Of course, uh, you probably know that I'm close to Grant Cameron and I rely on him a lot for guidance and, um, I've never had him lie to me or, or find out anything like that. I also rely on Frank Warren, who he knows all of the history. And if there's something questionable, then I might ask him. I can't think of, you know, I'm not real close to a lot of people in the field. You know, Grant and Frank, I talked to quite a bit. Um, 
Uh, I really I can't think of anybody that would uh, fit into what you're asking. So you're feeling like a bear caught in a trap is really about just the research aspect of feeling well, just the frustration of right. just the, yeah, just the frustration of so many stories out there, and uh, and it's also convoluted, you know. And it, is the government covering it up or and the conspiracy theories? Oh my gosh, it, the conspiracy theories just really drive me crazy. Well, because there's no way to run that down. There's nothing factual about it. There's no um, theory that you can uh, uh, follow it because it's just a theory. So, my gosh, I can come up with all kinds of uh, theories myself and put them out there if I wanted to. So what? It means nothing. It's all speculative. So why do you put it out there? That's why I don't like anonymous uh witnesses really you know if somebody wants me to keep, wants to tell me their story and they want to remain anonymous well certainly i will respect that but i won't put it on the air you know, i've had people call me and say um well you know i had this happen blah 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 and i have inside information blah 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 and i think i'm on your show but i can't use my name oh well okay then uh i'm not going to put out more stories that nobody else can run down because I think it makes the field that much more muddled. And if you can't use your name, then, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't need to uh, contribute any more to the cloudy water that's already out there. And, um, mm-hmm. I, and, and I always wonder about people that, you know, won't use their name. And, and sometimes there's a valid reason. I know that. Um, Job security. I did, you know, I have Officer X, and he is an anonymous witness for Stephen Hill. He's the only one I've ever used, and um, he was afraid he was going to lose his job, but he had such a credible story that I felt like I put that out there, and that was early on. But all of these anonymous people, um, you know, Richard Dolan uses uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, people that he doesn't name, but he tells the stories. And I remember I asked him about that on my radio one time, and he said, well, you you just have to believe me. Well, sure, I believe Richard Dolan, but I don't know who he's talking to and, you know, how he, how he vetted them. He probably did a pretty good job, but that, uh, those kind of things, you know, that just, to me, it just creates more confusion. Mm-hmm. And there's also a, a thing of, you know, uh, in I find in ufology about when it comes to the anonymous witnesses or whistleblowers or whatever, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the researcher is like, that's my uh, person and I don't want you to be able to talk to them, you know. Yeah, ownership Which, of a case or a witness, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what in this is uh, still attractive to you that even though you feel like a trapped bear, a, a trapped mama bear, uh, that, that you still kind of want to stick it out in some way? What What is the appeal? Well, it's, I guess it's just the appeal of the unknown, of, of the mystery, of the sorting it out and uh, the people. I do really like a lot of the people in the – community I've made a lot of a lot of friends like I said Cameron he's going to be here the end of August he's coming to visit me and uh he's going to be about a week and a half or so and 
go some other places and probably come back here. And um, I've made some uh, friends, and, you know, you're one of those people. I wouldn't have known you um, if this thing hadn't happened. So it made my world a lot larger. Um, I don't want this to sound, uh, I don't know, egotistical or something, but really, I don't think there is one country that if I were going to travel, that somebody wouldn't welcome me with open arms. Uh, people have been so generous and so kind to me, mm-hmm. um, and I've been really lucky in, in that regard. But um, a couple of months ago when I was really considering, okay, I just I don't think I want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I can't get anywhere. It's all so convoluted. And then, uh, you know, I tried to stay off the computer for a couple of days. And I thought, you know, I, I couldn't leave this if I wanted to. I want to know. I'm like Mel Fabergrass. I, I don't want to believe. I want to know. You know, maybe uh, maybe it's just not possible. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, do I think it's possible to know? Well, I think mm-hmm. there, there are certain avenues that are not going to lead anywhere. Um, uh, you know, like I said, I, I mean, I don't think any of the government conspiracy stuff is worthwhile um because it never pans out <laughs> and what are you going to do with that like what what's the point of believing in those things um so you're stuck with the phenomenon itself and uh i think it's sort of what jeff ritzman has been saying which is if it wanted you to know what it was it would be telling you um so really I, I, yeah i mean i think that there's a deeper issue here than aliens from space or a deeper issue than government covering up its military equipment that I think requires a lot of deep thought and not a lot of just people, you know, writing books and giving speeches based on their own whims or uh, bits of evidence through history that they've decided to string together to say, look, I found a pattern and a meaning here. Um, I just, I think we got to look past all that to see if it's even possible. If it's even possible to see what it is we're actually trying to look at. Well, uh, you're you're a contactee or an abductee, right? Yeah. So you got a leg up on me already. You know, well, I don't... <laughs> sort of. I actually, I think my leg up on a lot of people is that uh, I was aware of it at an early age, so I already went through various stages of believing. Um, various things about it you know like i think i got all of that out of my system early on and all of the sort of various disappointments and and thinking you know it's little alien doctors coming here to do experiments and all that stuff i mean i sort of ran down those list of possibilities already so i think i'm uh i'm out of uh, out of that game and into the next one which is okay what really is going on here but you know it's a box within a box within a box who knows well see i would think if you know, if I were contacted, then I, I'm pretty sure that would get me off the fence, you know? I, would, I, well, I mean, I would think it would. There's a reality, you know what I mean? Like, yes, there there's not a question in my mind that there there is a reality to this. I just don't know what that reality is. I know that it is, uh, it seems to be deep. It seems to have a spiritual connection in a weird way. There seems to be, like, uh, all of us here, abductees or experiencers or whatever you want to call us, um, seem to have... A lot of other paranormal stuff that happens, ghosts, poltergeist phenomena, that sort of thing. And when you talk to someone like a Ted Phillips or the people who 
uh, looked at the Skinwalker Ranch, and they talk about that type of phenomena, plus, you know, maybe Bigfoot or giant animals, something that implies almost an interdimensional connection or uh, some sort of deeper connection than just aliens from space coming here. Um, I think that's where we need to look. And I think for me, um, I can pretty much do away with any of the hypnotically retrieved memories at this point of people. Uh, I thought, I think that was a wrong turn. I think all of that, Bud Hopkins, David Jacobs, John Mack types of uh, retrieved testimony. I think that that was a mistake in a way. Like, I think that that stuff was, um, is being co-created by the experiencer and the hypnotist by accident. So do you think that the hypnosis is bringing about, I mean, do you think the questions are too leading? That's why you think it's a mistake or. I think there's a bunch of things going on. I think like anytime you bypass someone's conscious mind to speak to their unconscious, it's a tricky situation, and you've got to be darn sure that not only are your questions not leading, but your intention isn't leading. And I think at this point where you have celebrity hypnotherapists, they're already going to attract to them the type of people who, you know, it's almost like a pre-vetting thing where people who already have sort of a belief in the way a Bud Hopkins does will go seek out Bud Hopkins. And so it becomes okay. a self-reinforced story. And now Bud Hopkins, and I don't mean to pick on him, but Bud Hopkins um, has created outlier data. And the outlier data uh, is whatever does not conform to the little alien doctors thing. And I think that that's wrong because ultimately, again, this is an unknown phenomenon and um, we need to be all inclusive in that. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, I know that there's something there, but I don't think that we can say what it is yet. And I think that this is a field filled with people who are dying to tell you exactly what it is. And that's the confounding problem. Nobody really knows exactly what it is. No one knows exactly what it is, but a lot of people pretend to, and then you forget that, oh, right, we're talking about the unknown. Everybody wants to claim to know what the unknown is, and that might possibly just be because that's what humans do, right? We, uh, we, we try to come up with reasons and meaning for things that at all costs, you know? Have you been hypnotized? Um, I was in college once. Um, and it was a weird thing of, I don't remember what I said, but she offered me free therapy when it was over. <laughs> so <laughs> make of that what you will. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you know, I have watched some of those, um, um, well, as a matter of fact, um, in 2009, I watched Linda Howe. Um, show a film of the guy from Bentwaters uh, being regressed. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my gosh, it just really, um, I think it was John Burroughs. And it really just really made me sit back in my chair and go, oh, my God, because this man was trembling. I mean, his hands and everything were shaking. I mean, you could tell um, in this, hypnotic state i mean he was terrified mm -hmm. and um it seemed so real and you know it really kind of gave me pause i was like oh my god if you really did see something um you know that is beyond any brain file you can put it in i think it must be so terrifying that i, I can see um, where you would just 
you would almost need hypnosis to be able to talk about it because I would think you would just bury it in order to cope. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you know? there are some real retrieved memories. It's just the problem is we don't know which they are. Uh, you know, I, I think ultimately your unconscious mind isn't just memories. It's also symbols from the collective. It's also your own personal issues of guilt and shame and whatever it is that you repress and and then what memories. is symbols what the symbols from the collective mean explain that i don't know um i think you know like, like collective unconscious symbols um geez i don't even know how to describe well i mean the ones that come up in various cultures over and over again uh as you know maybe a circle as a symbol of renewal but then there's also um symbols that i can't even describe that happen when you do shrooms, for instance, or you have an overabundance of uh, DMT in the brain, it seems to always go that the first thing t to to change is your personal sense of self. The second thing to change is you sort of visualize or go into this pattern of symbols, and then you immerse on the other side into the quote-unquote hallucination. Uh, and DMT is something that the brain naturally produces, you know, mostly at the 3 to 4 a.m. hour. Um, mm -hmm. And so we've got that in the brain. So it's not just people doing drugs that, that see this, but, you know, normal everyday people have access to this. And so that's all in the unconscious realm, right? And so I think when you drop the fishing line in there to retrieve memories, you can't know what else you're pulling up with it by accident. Okay, yeah. And, and when that I, would make sense, too. Yeah, I mean, when I look at, for instance, again, Bud Hopkins' symbols that abductees report seeing on craft, I mean, they don't look any different to me than uh, the drawings that I've seen kids do on the sidewalk, <laughs> you know, just out of their <laughs> Yeah. They look yeah. the same to me. So I, I can't trust that that equals alien symbol, you know? Right. Um, That's why it's so convoluted. It, it's just a mess, isn't it? <laughs> It is a mess. It's a big old mess. Um, so let me just give you one final question. If you stick around in this, what what is your what is your goal? What is it that you would like to get out of this? If you know, and I know the answer, but say you don't get the answer, what else? Right. <laughs> I don't know, Jeremy. I really don't know. Um, you know, I am. I think my fifteen minutes of fame is over now, and uh, I don't have funding to go and travel and, and check out, you know, this or that story myself or any of that. So, you know, I probably just kind of quietly uh, sit back on the sidelines and observe and, and try to learn and uh, probably, you know, keep doing the radio show and and uh, interviewing people. And, you know, I don't, I don't really um, expect to... Uh, it really gets a lot out of it. I just, uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm just observant and interested, and that's that's about all it is. I just, you know, I wish I could, you know, go on some investigations and do some things, and but it, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for uh, sticking it out this long, at least, and thanks again for uh, for doing my little show here. Well, you're welcome. I always enjoy talking to you. You as well. Angela Joyner. And what is the uh, website for you and or your show? It's uh, www.angela, and Angela is A-N-G-E-L-I-A, Joyner, J-O-I-N-E-R.com. Very good. Thank you again, madam.
All right. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That went in a completely unexpected direction. Didn't realize uh, Angela was so down on it that she was thinking of leaving. Kind of early for that, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it took Jeff like 10 or 20 years. Um, so let's hear what other surprises await us with another noob to the scene, Stacy Lowry of the Black Fridays. Next up on our hit list is one Stacy Lowry of the Black Fridays, which is found at www. Blackfridays.net or theblackfridays.net, Stacey. I'm always getting this wrong. Don't forget the the. Theblackfridays.net. Stacey, thank you for uh, doing this little show here on uh, such short notice. Dude, my pleasure. I'm glad I was able to do it. You're an interesting one because you're one of the few people I know who's actually not just new to podcasting, but new to the realm of the paranormal period. Um, So why don't you give us a little bit of your background uh, and how you find yourself in this crazy mess to begin with <laughs> well this, my background is not very exciting i uh, um you know originally i was raised in the, the deep deep south and uh as a kid i enjoyed ghost stories and curses and even reading about ufos and aliens um kind of just as i got older though i just developed other interests and didn't um didn't really pursue that um I moved to Alabama my sophomore year um, and just had a regular high school experience, joined the Army for five years and have done a couple. Had, had a, had, I've had a few careers since then. Um, my background is in any kind of education has been in um, at Bible college. Um, I wasn't able to finish. It's one of the things. One of my goals is to go back. I'm on that um, – I guess the twenty-year plan to uh, to finish college, but uh, yeah, um, but uh, I, you know, I, I, unlike a lot of people that I've talked to so far and the podcasts that I've listened to, I don't really have any kind of um, experiences. Um, now, my mom has had some when she was a kid. Uh, I've met other people that's had some some pretty strange experiences. Um, what has your mom had? What kind of experience? My mom had an an uncle. Um, she was raised in a very small map dot in um, in Mississippi, and um, she was she was I don't know I guess maybe ten nine ten eleven somewhere in there. And my grandfather raised turnips. That that was how my mom's family made a living when she was growing up. Uh, he had just acres and acres of, of turnips that he would grow, pick, wash, and put them on ice and take them to the, um, I guess the little farmer's market there in new Orleans and sell them. Um, and he had a, he had a brother that lived just down the road and you had to pass his brother's house to get to one of the fields. And there was a gate there. So my mom, my, my, now her uncle had already died, um, had been dead for several years, I guess when this happened and she had ran ahead of the truck to open the gate and she was sitting down on the front steps of my great uncle's old house. This house is not big now. I've been in a house several times. It's a basically a one big room. Um, when you 
I guess when you walked in, if I'm remembering it correctly, when you when you walked up to the small porch, you walked up the steps, and there was a hallway that went from the front door all the way to the back door. And then off that hallway were maybe two or three, maybe four rooms. Um, it was, like I said, a very small place. Um, I think my I don't think my great uncle had any kids. It was just he and his his wife. Um, so at any rate, um, small house. You can see all the way through it. She was sitting there, and the doors were generally open because the house had been unoccupied for a long time. Nobody had you know ever planned on you know moving in there, and the doors were open. And my mom said she was sitting there on the steps, and she it was wooden floors, and she could hear these footsteps walking toward her. Now, her back's to the front door. She's sitting on the front steps and looking out, and she hears these footsteps coming down that hallway. And again, like I said, you could see from the front door all the way through the back door, straight hallway, clear shot, and she looked back, and there was nothing there. And these were boot footsteps, like she said my uncle had um, used to wear Um so they were like heavy work boots and she could hear them methodically just coming down the hallway toward her. Obviously she ran, uh, it freaked her out and, uh, she ran off and she, I, from what I remember from my, my childhood, I, I think she said she had a couple other weird experiences, but that was, that was the one that stuck out. My always stuck out in my mind because after she told me that I, I really didn't, <laughs> you know, every time I'd go up to that place, I'd, you know, dare myself to step on the front steps and, <laughs> you know, look down the hallway. Um, but I, myself, I have never had any kind of weird paranormal type experiences. I say that with a grain of salt because there were a couple of things that I that I did have, but I think I can explain those away. You know, I don't think that they were. Um, I was almost in a dream state when one of them happened, and and you know different things like that. So there's nothing discernible that I can say. Ooh, I've I've seen something or heard something or anything like that. So I don't really have any kind of experiences to go off of, like most of the people that uh, that I've talked to since we started doing the podcast. Now, how I got into it is I was a car salesman for four years. Uh, that was my last career before the, what I'm doing now, and. Um, the dealership I was I was doing well. That must have been an easy transition from you, you, what is it? Used car salesman, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> used car salesman into yeah. ufology. I think it's probably the easiest transition on earth. But go ahead. Well, I uh, I, I was uh, I was an honest guy though. I was I I try to treat people treat people right. Um, it was more the customers that lied to me more than I lied to anybody else. I can guarantee you that. But at any rate, uh, I was I was at a I was at a car sh- uh, dealership and, and and doing pretty well. I've been made manager, and then the dealership shut down. the The owners decided to sell it. It was a Chrysler dealership, and uh, they decided to sell it. And this was last May of uh, two thousand and nine, and uh, I got into the tech world as a sales rep for this uh, company out of Mobile, and uh, a friend of mine from high school had started it, and we'd reconnected through Facebook and had been talking for months, and when he found out that I got laid off and um, that the dealership had shut down, um, he said, you know, I need a sales rep up there, so I jumped on that, and um, I started working with Wes Owsley, and uh, Wes just was a I, I either thought of Wes after about a week of, of riding with him, meeting, you know, our clients we had, 
Um, I said, here's a guy who has done so much in his life or he is so full of crap, <laughs> you know, that, that, that he's just he's good at making up stories. But, but Wes really does have a very, um, just a, a, a vast range of experiences in, in, in his life. We're re- relatively the same age. Well, he had, he had turned me on to, um, internet businesses and, Things like that. And I thought they were kind of sounding more like an infomercial and stuff like that and doing podcasts and things of that nature. And so after about four months of, of, of working with him pretty much every day, eight hours a day, just he and I riding in our car, uh, he was in Mobile uh, doing a job one 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 weekend one week and it was Friday and I called him. I'd been thinking about this all week and I said, look, I want something on your four hour ride back to your house. I want you to. Um, think about something um, and let me know. I said, I, I, I'd like to do a podcast with you and, uh, you know, do do it in the esoteric because we'd had a lot of conversations about conspiracy theories and ufology and all this stuff uh, in those four months. And, and um, so he um, he called me back uh, either later that day or the, the next day and said, yeah, let's let's do it. And uh, and we just that's how I got into the, the podcasting realm. And, I, and I've really enjoyed it. And although I don't have a wealth of experience to add to that, I've really enjoyed talking to people and getting their stories and um, just kind of weeding through some of this stuff. Uh, has it changed you at all in terms of making you a, a better listener or do you have to be a better listener uh, going into it anyway because you were a salesman and so you have to sort of understand what people need and hear them and, and all that to get a sale out of them yeah yeah that's exactly right you got to really know what people are wanting when when you're when you're in that business and 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 try to provide um sales is really easy um when it comes down to it you just give people try to help people find what they want and get what they want. And that's basically my philosophy of sales. But to do that, you, you had to listen and, and understand what it was they were wanting. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I developed, uh, I, well, I hope to say, I, I'd like to say that I developed some good listening skills. Um, well, wait, let me stop you there because that's interesting. So it, it, do you bring that to this when, when you're listening to, Someone talk about, um, I don't know, an outlandish conspiracy theory or, you know, something Atlantean or something ufological, any of these, the myriad types of things that you might cover on your show. uh, Do you think to yourself, what is it that this person wants out of this subject, say, you know, what, like if it's something that you don't personally believe is factually true or factually provable, what is it that this person wants out of this that they're willing to devote so much time to researching and talking about an unprovable subject, has that ever crossed your mind? Oh, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, uh, and, and this isn't just car sales. This is my my background in in, in you know trying to trying to look at different worldviews. And, and for myself, coming from a, a more orthodox Christian worldview, um, I, I'm always thinking, okay, what what is what are people trying to get out of life? Um, and so, yeah, that's always in the back of my mind, you know, what, what drove this person to go in that direction? You know, what attracts this person to ufology or, or, or paranormal studies and stuff like that? And I, and I told Wes, is that one of the things I don't want to do is I don't, cause I started hearing right off the bat, a lot of stories of how this will take over your life and this will, you know, consume you. And I said, that's not what I want because I do believe in the supernatural. I, I, I'm not skeptical toward that there is a supernatural realm uh, beyond what we can see. I just don't necessarily want that coming into my home. 
you know. Um, that's why one of the things I told, told Wes is that I don't know if I really want to go on ghost hunts and stuff like that, which ironically my brother did several years ago. He had a, uh, a radio show, um, and he did ghost hunts and stuff like that. And, and I just – I think there can be some danger in that, so I, I don't want that stuff coming into my home cause, because I do believe that, that that is a reality. Did he have stuff come into his home? Um, he said he did, yeah. What was his show? Um, it was, I think it was Alabama Paranormal, uh, radio, APR, I believe. I'd have to look it up. I think his website's still up, but I'd I'd have to look it up. Um, and then even with my brother, I was like, okay, what are you trying to get out of this? You know, um, there's always an, there's always an angle, um, not necessarily a deceptive angle, but there's always, you do, you do everything for a purpose. I think I don't, I don't think you just do anything because you don't want to, you, I think you do what you, um, the choices we make are, are stem from what we desire most at that moment. And, um, so I, I, even with him, I was thinking that, and with the the guests that I've, I've talked to so far, I'm always thinking, you know, okay, well, what's, what's your purpose in life, you know? And, and, and how does that, I don't think you can study anything. Well, I think it's very difficult. Let me say that. I think it's very difficult to study anything, research anything, talk about anything without your own preconceived ideas, without your own presuppositions coming to the forefront. Um, I, I think our worldview taints, but maybe not so in a negative way, uh, how we view things and, and, and how we research things. So, yeah, that, that's, that, but that's very true. I, that, I, I'm always thinking that. Did you um, see any connective tissue prior to your podcast between various paranormal or supernatural or ufological things? Um, and do you see a connectivity there now? What do you mean? Uh, I mean, do you think that UFOs are related to poltergeists, are related to Bigfoot in some <laughs> giant tricksterish way, or some other way that we can't quite classify? Or do you think that these are separate independent entities with their own sort of nuts and bolts physics and value to them? I don't know. Uh, I just I don't know. And Did you and, think you knew before you started podcasting? No, I didn't. I didn't come to the table with any um, with any preconceived ideas of what these things were. Now I knew that people were seeing something, uh, and and that's something Wes and I talked about in depth before we started the the first show. I, I, I like you, you ufology. Um, the people are seeing unidentified objects. I mean that there's no doubt about it. Uh, what their connection is to everything else that people are saying, I don't have a theory. I don't have a unified theory for that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of things are, are possible or even probable, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't have anything, any kind of connective theory before, and I certainly don't now. Matter of fact, it's, <laughs> if I if I had any kind of inkling of a connectivity theory before, it's it's totally shattered now. Uh, because from what I've talked to from different people, there are so many, many things. I was really surprised about the crypt, uh, the crypto terrestrial theory. And that was one of the first things that I heard about because, you know, back in the eighties and, 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 um, well, yeah, the, the early eighties when I was reading things about UFOs and aliens, it was all little gray men, um, with the, with the, you know, almond shaped black eyes. And then I'm, I'm hearing these theories of, Oh no no no! They're here. We just can't see them. They're beyond our our, our visual spectrum, um, and that just was like, well, okay, you know, where did this come from? 
So it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see the leap that had been made from from when I was a kid to now. Um, but no, I don't I don't have any kind of of, of of thing. I don't dismiss demons because I certainly my worldview holds to that. Um, now, if you want to classify that as a the, the end of the trickster element, then you know so be it. But 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 I don't necessarily think they're demons. I don't I don't think that there's. I'm not one of these guys who think there's a demon hiding behind every tree. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you? Uh, how how has this changed you, or your beliefs, or your thoughts? Um, has this opened you up to other possibilities? Do you think you're unchanged thus far <laughs> by what you've learned? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't say necess- I wouldn't necessarily say I'm completely unchanged, but I'm not changed that much. Um, uh, to be to be perfectly honest, I I uh, the the one thing that has changed is the um, and that I find really interesting um, is this this idea of a of of one civilization that existed, you know. This theory that, that one civilization existed, you know, ten thousand years before, you know, the pyramids were built, and that, that that's 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 the culture that that developed the Sphinx, and that came from talking with Robert Schock and 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 um, getting ready to um, interview Graham Hay- Hancock and things like that. Um, that that really fascinates me, and that that's kind of changed my perception as far as maybe history goes. But the rest of it, I, I just. I think that people in general are trying to figure out their reality um, and that some people latch on to paranormal, paranormal things to, to, to define that and to say, okay, this is, this is reality. Some people want to try to define their existence through UFOs. Uh, and I'm not. That may sound like I'm being judgmental or, or critical. I, I'm. I'm really not trying to be because I think that's that's human nature. I think our nature is to try to figure out, okay, what's the deal with what's in front of my eyes, and and so we gravitate toward one thing or another uh, to try to figure that out. Um, but to me, the arguments that I've heard so far, they just haven't swayed me. As of yet, and I'm, that doesn't mean they won't, but so far they haven't. Well, let me ask you one final question: What is it outside of you know maybe being able to uh, make a little extra cash on the side? Um, what is it about this that appeals to you? What are you in this for? Do you listen to people with the intention to hear them, or do you listen? Do you think with the intention to um, I don't know, judge them um, to either fortify or change your own beliefs about things. Those are separate questions, but yeah, yeah, I, I see, I see what you're saying. I, I don't listen to people to try to fortify my own belief system. My belief system is fortified by things other than what people say. I don't want to, and, and I certainly, although I may critique and judge what people say, but I think everybody does that. I don't, I don't think that there's one solitary person that 
hears a statement that somebody says, hey, this is fact, and they don't judge whether that's factual or not, or if it fits into to, to how they view reality. So in that sense, yes, I do judge. But the, the main reason I want to do this is just to, to talk to people. I mean, I love talking to people. And talking to that's what I enjoy. I enjoy that more than I enjoy anything else about the podcast. Um, I want to learn. I want to learn different worldviews. I want to learn different um, um, ways of, of, of explaining what happens in this world because there are tons of things that are not explainable. And I, and I, I get that. But um, I, I, I don't – I'm not going into it to, to be swayed. That's for sure. Um, I, I think you've got to you've got to define what you believe, and because otherwise you'd be swayed by everybody who comes around the block. You know, you just you know you, you would be the feather in the wind that's that's changing direction direction every time somebody says something. Um, and I certainly don't want to go through life like that. Um, but I do want to learn. You know, at least what their perspective is, and and I enjoy that. I mean, I really, really get a kick out of talking to to people. And we've talked to some really fascinating people so far on the show, um, and I've had I've had a great time doing it. But that that's my main thing is just to talk to people and and just have a conversation. And that's what I told Wes when we first went in. I don't want this to be a um, um I want to give people a platform to espouse their ideas. And talk about what they believe without being overly confrontational. But at the same time, if I if if if, if a hard question comes along, I want to I want to have the freedom to to ask them that hard question. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's our time, and your show is the Black Fridays at theblackfridays.net. And uh, I just want to say that you and Wes do great work. Appreciate it. Um, so I'm really glad that you guys. Uh, of all people, decided to dive into podcasting. <laughs> We've enjoyed it. All right. And thank you again for doing this. Thank you, Jeremy. It was good talking to you as always. And I'll see you at the movies. Wait, no. <laughs> I don't know. We need a tagline for this, but I don't got one. <laughs> Hi, this is Philippe Mora, and I am vacationing at Paratobia. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it. We take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, here is the world's greatest podcaster, probably Don't in his that. own estimation. <laughs>
No. Um, we've we've talked to a few uh, noobs in this field of podcasting, and now we're going to talk to a grizzled vet who can be found. I know. Huh? At www.banalofamerica.com, the one, the only, Tim Banal. Hi, Tim. What's going on, JV? How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for uh, doing this little show here. I'm excited to be a part of it, and uh, I, you know, I know what you mean. I, I, I don't know. I still, I still find it strange to think of myself as a, a grizzled veteran of this thing. But I, I mean, yeah, been five years, so like shit when i started you could probably count the number of actual podcasts on like one hand maybe you know there was podcasting wasn't even a thing so right. like holy shit this is you know crazy so, well we know yeah. that you you've said in the past that that you started out uh you had an interest in the exopolitical stuff before you actually looked into it and um uh, when you started looking into this stuff, was it sort of one disappointment after another? I mean, why are you, why do we listen is the real question. Why are we still here doing this given the, the pitfalls, the disappointments and the fact that you of all people definitely don't believe there's a truth that you're going to get your hands around. Why do you still listen? I think because eventually I sort of got more interested in the people and, and, their whole story, how they got mixed up in this, and, and their their worldview, I guess is the best way to put it. It's like there's people who have totally – I may disagree with them, but I'm not going to get in their grill about it. And I'm more just like, wow, you really, you really feel that way. That's remarkable that you feel that way, and I want to explore that more with you because I'm no, I have no I, – I just can't imagine myself coming to that conclusion. So what drew you to that conclusion and – where the hell is this all going? That's sort of how it. That's sort of where I'm at now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess that's why I keep going with the whole thing. Well, has your opinion changed even as recently as a year? I mean, I know I feel as though this last year has been a whirlwind of change in my perspective on this stuff. Uh, is that just me, or do you feel that too? Well, I don't know about the last year. I know we were talking off the air about the whole Emma Woods thing, and I feel like if anything, that sort of just confirmed the concerns that everybody sort of had but were too polite, which is surprising for the field of the paranormal, but were too polite to say in civilized public. <laughs> so it was like, oh, shit, this is a big house of cards, man. Oh, man. Like, I kind of always thought it, but I didn't want to say it, you know, that kind of thing. I think that was sort of the, the general malaise of the attitude that befell the field as a result of that whole thing. And as far as the whole nuts and bolts thing, I don't know. I feel like that's still going strong in a way. I think that'll never go away until we know for sure what it is. And I think personally that I think it is – I think there is still some nuts and bolts element to it. I think if anything, it's some kind of like combination of interdimensional – we're talking about UFOs here. Um, some combination of interdimensional and nuts and bolts. Like I feel like if they're coming here, whoever they are – and they can appear and disappear at will. I feel like there has to be some kind of some kind of tool to do that, some kind of vehicle to make that happen that actually is nuts and bolts per se. So I feel like the ultimate answer was probably some kind of combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And my attitude on that whole thing, I don't know when it happened. I don't know when that whole thing changed. It wasn't like this year. I feel like it was more maybe like a couple of years ago when I got really serious about investigating Jacques Vallée's work. And he sort of like opened my eyes to the the possibility of it all. 
and being friends with like Greg Bishop and stuff and talking with him and Nick Redfern and stuff about just the whole, uh, for lack of a better term, psychedelic nature of UFOs, you know, how it's mm-hmm. really, there's a mental component to it that we just don't talk about. You don't hear on the mainstream. You never hear on the mainstream media like, so like, is it aliens or is it not? Are people stupid or is it aliens? It's like, you know, well, maybe it's neither of those things. Maybe it's just fucking some weird psychedelic thing, dude. So, like I said, it didn't happen the last year. But, I mean, if you want to retrace my steps back, I mean, you have to go back to, like, 2003. I had an interest in all this. And you have to imagine sort of that, like, I had an interest as a kid. So, you know, up until maybe, like, eighth grade or whatever. So I don't know what the fuck that was like. Shit. I don't know. It was, like, 16, 10th grade. So, you know, it was about 14 or whatever. And I stopped caring. So whatever kind of teenager, I didn't care anymore. Then I got out of college, so I'm uh, about 22. So you're looking at a gap of about eight years. And I wasn't obviously, you know, we've laughed about this in the past before, but it's like, yeah, obviously I had an interest when I was 14, but I certainly wasn't a fucking researcher. I certainly wasn't um, a podcaster, and I certainly wasn't even an investigator. I was just a fucking kid. So we're not going to say we're not going to see <laughs> 30 years of, of uh, ufological investigation under his yeah. belt, Tim Banal, on your uh, right, your right, yeah. Times. So yeah, if we used if we went the opposite direction, I'd say I'm a 16 year veteran of <laughs> right. the paranormal, but unfortunately that's not the case. So then you know I get out of college, and it's like I think my attitude was sort of like. I've always kind of wondered about these things, but I've never really looked at them and tried to figure out what the hell, what's going on. I need a fresh update on this. Surely they must be closer to figuring out this UFO thing than I thought when I was 14. I mean, not only has it been eight years, but I was just a stupid kid back then. So surely this thing is much more obvious than it is. And, you know, then I got into it and realized that they're no closer than they were when I was 14. And at the time, to go back to the exopolitics thing we talked about, it's like uh, that was sort of just bubbling up to the surface when I first got into this field. So it was like, wow, there's this movement, and it's exploding, and it's growing. And this, it, was like, it was like you take the Obama change mantra and apply it to the UFO field um, in 2003, 2004, 2005. That was kind of what was going on, at least in my mind. And it was like – change is on the horizon. We stand for change, you know? And then it was just like, it never happened. And then as I got to meet more and more people, it was sort of like, then I realized that not everybody was on board with this change thing. And then I found like, well, why? And then it was like, well, cause we don't know the answer. And then I was like, wait a minute. I thought you did. And then it was like, Oh wow. Here's this thing just exponentially exploded as far as degrees of shades of gray. Hmm. And so would you say then that when you first started podcasting that you did have some sense of wanting to find answers? Yeah, sure. I mean, so when I mean, you realize always, when you realize yeah. that you weren't going to find answers, that was not disappointment enough obviously for you to stop podcasting. Um so how did you transition in your own mind in in terms of why you're still here? It was that tough I think I like almost easy? caught up with everybody else in a way or all the old all the all real old timers <laughs> you know i was sort of like changes on the horizon man then i got into it and i was like you know everybody i talked to was like no nah, that's not the case dude and then i was like well wait a minute what's really going on here and then i was like um what's really going on is we've been trying to figure this out for like fucking 60 years and we haven't mm-hmm. um 
you know, and there's a bunch of different opinions and shit on this thing. So then it was like, all right, I want to find out all these different opinions, and I want to find out how the hell we got to where we are today and why the hell we can't seem to figure this thing out. So it became more to me about sort of like the failure to solve the mystery of all these mysteries. I mean, shit. Like, I mean, if you look across the paranormal spectrum, we, we haven't figured out anything. Well, if you <laughs> in listening to people on your show, do you get the sense that part of that failure is that we don't have uh, the, the right kind of mind applying itself to this field? Or do you think that that doesn't matter? You could have all the Jacques Vallées in the world and this thing ain't getting solved. You know, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think it, it it's I think it's like a combination of stagnancy with sort of like people that think that they've already figured it out, so they're intractable and they're gumming up the works for the people that are still trying to figure it out. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I mean obviously they could be fucking right and we could be wrong. So you know, I'm not married to anything as far as the various theories go, because precisely that reason, I don't want to come off the works. So it's like, I think that's part of it. I think there's no real sense of interdisciplinary work with exception. Although that's changing. Although, you know, you talk about is the nuts and bolts thing changing. I think that the real change that I've seen the last few years is this emergence of sort of more of a, a well-rounded look at all the different stuff. I think Nick Redfern exemplifies that like better than anybody. I mean, he's as much a cryptozoologist as he's a ufologist, and that's, you know, pretty remarkable. And then you look at like somebody like Rich Dolan, he's doing UFOs and he's doing the 9-11 thing. So it's like I'm seeing more interdisciplinary stuff, and the more we go in that direction, I feel like we'll probably have a better chance of figuring this all out. But then, I mean, you think the clicks are bad in ufology, it's like you're talking about – we're talking about like that movie The Warriors here. We're talking about like gangs upon gangs upon gangs of, of different fields and, you know, X hates Y in the UFO in the UFO field, but then over in the Bigfoot field it's like paranormal versus flesh and blood, which is the same thing as nuts and bolts versus interdimensional. And it's like I mean, Jesus, this thing just keeps it's like a reverse NCAA bracket. It just keeps breaking up and breaking up and breaking up into different segments and stuff. So we need someone to really – we need to, like, all kind of come together and come to some kind of conclusion. But I don't think that's ever going to happen, well, at least an, on our end. Here's an unrelated question um, that yeah. you just sparked in me. The In the UFO field, there are at least a good portion of people who are willing to look at Bigfoot and look at ghosts and, and that sort of thing and, and tr- come up with some unified theory. How hesitant are they in those other fields? You talk to these people more than we do. Are people in the ghost world just as cool about saying, yeah, UFOs are a part of this? Or Bigfoot, are they as cool saying, yeah, this is all part of one big paranormal trickster smorgasbord? Or are they generally shying away from that sort of thing? I think that's a – I'm glad you asked me that actually because that's actually one of the things I've actually tried to – I've said actually like seven times now, so forgive me, (laughs) folks. I'm on like my fourth beer of the evening here. Um, (laughs) So – that's you know that's something I've been looking at and looking for. So I'm glad you asked me that because I think the UFO people they seem fairly open to just about looking at all a bunch of different stuff um, for the most part. I mean, there's always exceptions. This is obviously isn't you know this is just generalizations. Um, the conspiracy people are probably the most ardent of not looking at anything else. 
So, which is stunning to me because ufology really, for the most part, is a giant conspiracy. Like that the whole thing about the government cover-up is a massive conspiracy. I mean, that's bigger than 9-11. So the fact that these two can't get on the same page is surprising. And then I think the Bigfoot field, I think they, with the exception of the people who want, who are into the interdimensional stuff, the paranormal Bigfoot people, they're more open to stuff. But the flesh and blood Bigfoot people, I think, are like never the two, never the twain shall meet as far as the paranormal part. I think they are like really want what they do to be seen in National Geographic. Like they want this thing to make a leap to mainstream science and mainstream they and they have the closest ability to do that. So it's almost like, you know, they they have the upper hand. They have the advantage, so they don't <laughs> you know, they don't want to slum it with the rest of us in paranormal because it's like we're right on the cusp here, dude, of breaking into the mainstream. So fuck you, UFO people, because you're never going to get there. Um, and then the ghost people, I find, are probably the most, I don't know, I just don't, they get on my nerves the most. They just seem the most sort of like like emo <laughs> or like the cool kids kind of thing where they're like, oh, UFOs are so... 1980s and it's like they're just sort of whatever's hip whatever's now whatever's you know ghosts are where it's at ufos are old school and lame and and no one's ever figured those out and they've been stagnant for i mean they're probably right that they they are right that it's been stagnant for 20 years but they they're not looking to give it a chance and i mean that's the general and i'm not even talking about anybody in in specifics i'm just talking about people that i've talked to not just guests but people that conferences and events and stuff like that. I mean, that's, I think, pretty much the breakdown, how I've seen it. Maybe the ghost bubble bursts someday, they shoot a Bigfoot, and we start getting our act together here. But I don't see too much. Like I said, the UFO, and I guess now that I think about it, I'm probably biased because I talk primarily mostly to UFO people. So maybe I'm getting a more rose-colored glasses point of view on, on their outlook on stuff. But I do think that the way I broke it down there is pretty accurate well i guess one last question i don't even know how to ask this it's somewhere in between how much longer do you give this for you and or i guess how much longer do you think that this podcasting can hold your interest purely on the sociological uh front if you don't think that there's a truth to be had i'm always holding out hope that there'll be a truth i mean i was excited as anybody when the whole bigfoot hoax happened like three years ago so I'm never really going to give up the ghost as far as that's concerned, no pun intended. Um, so as far as the podcasting part goes, you know, having done it for five years and having interviewed just about everybody I could possibly want to interview, um, you know, when I first started the show, I made a big list of, like, all the people I wanted to talk to, and, like, these were, like, superstars on the list. And I've managed to talk to, like, everybody but maybe two people, and I'm sure that with time, I'll talk to those two people, too, probably next season on BOA Audio. So it's like, at that point, it becomes less about, hey, I'd like to meet this person, and more about, I wonder what they're doing nowadays kind of thing. So I don't mean, I don't have any, the, the, the grind of it, as you know, is just, just brutal, um, you know. And 
my hat's off to any program out there, and which is probably 95% of them that goes week to week because I just could not do that at all. And so the grind of it wears me down. The cost of it wears me down. You know, getting older wears me down. It's like, shit, am I going to be doing this? I'm 31 now. Am I going to be doing this when I'm 41? Fuck, I hope not. Um, I'd like to expand and do something more than podcasting because I feel like, like I said, I've been doing this for five years. I'd like to be... I'd like to take it to another level, but what that level is, I have no idea yet. And it's going to have to be something that really excites me and really makes me want to, you know, develop an idea around the paranormal that sort of holds true to what BOA is all about and is fresh. So I have no fucking idea, dude. I mean, you know me personally, so it's like some days I'm like, oh, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in this field. And other times it's like, I'll get really excited about starting up the paranormal commune idea that I was talking to you about the other night. So it's <laughs> like, if if something really cool happens, you know, if I had the money and I bought a farmhouse somewhere and, you know, I could bring in a bunch of people who are all in the paranormal field and we start up the paranormal commune, it's like, there's a whole different direction to go. And Do I have uh, to chop off my arm for that? Oh, no, no, not Billy Meyer style. <laughs> Uh, well, Tim, it's... let me, um, <laughs> there's a good, there's a good segue right yeah, out of this. a great segue, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are in a, in a certain way branching out. You've started doing emceeing conferences. So why don't you plug the Exeter conference on Labor Day weekend? Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, well, hopefully Jeremy will be there. He'll be in attendance, I hope. And for all the people that are listening right now in, you know, the New England area, Massachusetts, down the D.C., anyone on the Eastern Corridor, I mean, this really is like the opportunity of a lifetime right now because before I even get going on pitching this to you folks, first of all, let's just start with the magic word, the magic F word, not my favorite magic F word, but the other F word, and that is free because this whole shebang is absolutely free. Just find your way to Exeter, New Hampshire on Labor Day weekend, because on September 4th, we're going to be putting together the, and I'm not, I don't know why I say we, because it's, it's Dean Merchant and Peter Robbins and a lot of great folks behind the scenes up there in Exeter, New Hampshire. And it's the Exeter UFO Festival, an out of this world community. And here are the speakers Steve Fermani, director of New England MUFON, Peter Robbins, everybody's heard of Peter Robbins, Phil Brogno, just huge name there, Stanton Friedman. I mean, come on, folks. This is the father of modern-day ufology. Uh, Ron Millone and Chris Corey, as well as another. Peter Robbins is doing two presentations, and we're going to have a speaker's panel. So it's, and it's all free, and it's all in the picturesque town of Exeter, New Hampshire. It is really going to be – I'm just thrilled about it and so looking forward to it. And I'm going to be hosting it or emceeing. Very good. And uh, I can attest that uh, Banal is the greatest MC I've ever seen. Uh, I'm okay. There's a speakers panel at the end. I'm already getting nervous about that. No, you're a lot of fun. Uh, you're 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 fun up on the stage. <laughs> I'll do my best. But like I said, dude, like to all the folks out there who are like, oh, this sounds cool. Let me just reiterate, dude. Free. I mean, you're not going to be able to see Peter Robbins, Phil Imbrogno, and Stan Friedman for free. Like normally, you'd have to pay at least thirty-five to fifty bucks to see that kind of show. So find your way to Exeter and come on up. It's one day. You could drive up, you know, the night before or the morning of and then take off that night. And it's going to be an awesome time, a lot of fun. Jeremy's coming up there. And for all the folks that are listening, there's definitely going to be some beers 
uh, drank at the end of the night. So, you know, it's going to be a huge party, I'm sure, uh, on Saturday night. So it's going to be great. Very good. Tim Benal, oh, everybody. Wait. Wait, what? Let me throw out the URL for people. Go ahead. ExeterUFOFestival.com. Or just go to my website and click the button there in the top right-hand corner. But ExeterUFOFestival.com. It's going to be awesome. Jeremy's coming up there, all kinds of special guests and stuff, and uh, you'll be hearing more about it, I'm sure, as the weeks go by, heading towards September 4th. Tim Benal, everybody. Tim Benal. <laughs> uh, Told you I had a few beers. Yeah, well, thank you very much again for uh, for doing this and for doing this with no notice. Um, what people don't know is this show it will be up probably around noontime on uh, Friday, and I have slapped this together and asked everyone to do this Thursday. So... So everyone has really done this last minute, and uh, I am, of course, eternally grateful. So thank you. Yeah, kudos to you, dude, for putting this together. I mean, especially on such short notice. I know what that's like. I mean, it is intense. So well done, sir. I'm looking forward to listening to it. I'll thank you very much. Three, two, one. Dun-da-da! Ladies and gentlemen, uh, next up on the chopping block is one Deb Cobble. Um, Deb... First of all, thank you very much for taking time out of your tiring day uh, to do this with me. Only for you, Vaney. I think I probably woke her up, but that's okay. No, 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 <laughs> no. you did not. All right, well, excellent. possibly. I've been walking around asleep for a few days, so. <laughs> well, I've been walking around asleep all my life. Yes. Uh, so, you're interesting. I, I, out of all the podcasters that I'm speaking to, um, I think you probably have have to have gone through the most tumultuous sets of change even in the last year you've gone from being deb cobble the the bud hopkins abductee to being uh deb cobble ghost hunter to being deb cobble podcaster to then seeing the emma woods david jacobs thing cast some you know aspersions on that whole realm of abduction research i mean how has the last year been for you in terms of how you think about this subject and how you think about your own experiences? Um, have just the changes overall changed you? Yes. Oh, my God. My brain has stretch marks. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. You know, I actually went out and and did some public speaking for the first time in, God, 15 years back in April. And... um as I was doing that and meeting, uh, you know, a bunch of new people and running into a whole lot of people that I had known, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, I just started having all these little epiphanies about uh, my own experiences. I mean, they are what they are, and I remember them, you know, the same way I did, you know, when they happened, but I, I'm... I started I began seeing them in a new light. I told you once I thought, you know, like the for instance the mark in the yard incident where I saw that like egg 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 shaped craft in the backyard mm-hmm. and then all those little like six little fellas that went into it. I'm like, you know, there's no way that could be a ship. Those guys would like have their elbows and their eyes in that tiny little thing. And um it just dawned on me that that was it made more sense for that to be some kind of a portal or a, a, a gateway of something or an opening or a wormhole or whatever. Um, I started um, becoming more interested in physics and 
things uh, like parallel universes and stuff like that. I mean, I always talked about things like that, but they're uh, it seems like other people are starting to talk about it in a way that makes me feel like, yes, this is right. Science has caught up with you. Right. It's like it's, it is, in a way. In a, in a way, yes. It's given yes. the language for you to be able to articulate what you've been thinking all along. Right. Absolutely. Because you know, I'm I'm smart, but I'm not book smart, and I they're just I have images and ideals and 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 shapes and things in my mind that I just couldn't find words for. And here are these people like uh, Michio Keku. And others like him that are putting words to things that I've seen in my mind for 25 years, things that I drew and things that I wrote about, things that I thought and just couldn't verbalize. And now it's beginning to it's beginning to uh, come together. And I'm meeting a lot more people that um, share the same thoughts and feelings that I have. Mm-hmm. And what about just in terms of doing the podcast? What First of all, what made you decide to do one? Well... You know, I've gotten involved in the paranormal stuff as well now. Uh, I, for, personally, I think paranormal, UFO, I mean, it's all somehow interconnected and all somehow related. And um, I've always been kind of fascinated with the, the other side of paranormal because my family's had those kind of experiences. And um, in the course of that, I met people that do podcasts and had firsthand experience with it and they took me in and I was invited to be a co-host for a paranormal podcast to begin with and then so I do that and now I also do my own show with uh, my co-host Glenn Means who's uh, also state section director for MUFON in Indiana and it's more UFO related so I do one with paranormal and one with more UFO but I, I feel compelled this is perfect for me I've always said that one of the things that I was supposed to do is to help guide people along on their journey to help. You know, I always said if there was one word or phrase that I said or one story I told that woke something up in someone else and set their gears in motion, then I did what I was supposed to do. And I always thought, uh, you know, I've always been too insecure about my physical self to really be like on TV or anything. I'm not, that's not my cup of tea. But I always thought I had the perfect face for radio, that I could I could reach a lot of people, you know, by doing uh, radio, podcasts, the Internet. God, I love the Internet and podcasts or anybody can do it, you know. And, and I just feel like that if – what I'm if I'm on the right track and this is what I'm supposed to be doing like I think I am, it will the universe will pull me along and it will just get bigger and I will be doing, you know, what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But you're not just yeah. doing a podcast to talk to people. You also have to listen. So the question then becomes yes. what do, what do you listen for? Ooh, I learned I've learned so much in just the short few months that I've been doing the paranormal podcast and the guests that we've had. Man, I've learned about uh, things, you know, I've, I've heard some phrases and some things that I never heard of. And, um, I'm, I've learned about, uh, you know, EVPs more that I didn't know. I've learned about, um, tarot cards, um, psychic mediums, uh, other aspects of the occult that i never really knew much about. I've learned a lot about, um, uh, spiritual stuff. And, um, when I, when I, when I have a guest on, um, I try to do a little bit of research about them if I don't already 
if I'm not already really familiar with them, which usually I am, but if I'm not, which is also great because then I know I'm going to learn stuff, uh, I try to do as much research as I can. And I will question them about, you know, the stuff that they're doing out there now and the stuff they want to talk about. But then I also want to know about uh, their their own personal thoughts and feelings and experiences and things, you know. It turns out a lot of us share a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a truth that we can get at, or do you think that it's always going to be some amorphous, just out of reach thing? I think whatever it is, it's probably very clear and simple and right in front of us, and we just can't see it yet. Whether we ever will or not, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm not going to stop trying. Right. Right. Um, right. <laughs> when you When you listen to people, when you do your podcast... Are you aware of your own uh, prejudices that you're bringing to the table, uh, that it, that what you're hearing is filtering through, or do you think that you're pretty open to hearing whatever a guest has to say on its own terms? I try really, really hard to stay open. Um, I do catch myself thinking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> occasionally, but I stop. I try to stop myself, you know, and say, hey, wait a minute, this is their thing, and maybe they know more obviously they know more about it than I do. Maybe if I learned more about it, I would see their, their angle better. Um, and, and I've always said, you know, I'm like the last person on the face of the planet that has a right to judge anybody for their thoughts or beliefs. Cause I've said some pretty crazy stuff. So I, I try to keep that, uh, I try to keep that in check, but I do have a pretty, um, I have a pretty sharply honed bullshit meter, but well, good. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, you still got to have a bullshit meter, right? I got one. I got one. But, you know, uh, in the end, at, at the end of the day, everyone is allowed to have their own opinions and feelings and beliefs and thoughts. And if I maybe don't agree with some things that they say or I can't see the logic or the reason on it, that doesn't mean it isn't so in some dimension or in some reality. It is in their reality, maybe not mine. So I just leave it at that and move on, you know, mm-hmm. like with my own stuff. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who hear me talk about things and think oh, that moment is nuts. Okay. You are entitled to think that. And believe me, there's a lot of things that I've said that if I hadn't been there, I'd be thinking that myself from if I heard it from someone else. So, I, you know, I try to try to be very diplomatic and to let every, everybody have their own opinions. Is there any particular subject that you've heard uh, in any of this stuff from conspiracy to channeling to UFOs to whatever that you discount entirely that you think, well, this whole thing is being completely misread? It's completely not what any of the people involved in this field think it is. Even if you can't articulate what it is, mm-hmm. do you th- is there anything that strikes you as completely wrong, <laughs> that all of the research <laughs> angles are wrong? Well, there's things out there that I don't quite follow or understand, uh, don't get the logic in. There's some conspiracy theory things and and um, uh, stuff like that, you know, uh, but that – I mean, maybe it's because of the people that raised me. I don't know. But I've always felt like where there's smoke, there may be fire somewhere. It may be far removed and misinterpreted somehow, but there may be some kernel of truth somewhere buried in all the shit, you know. Uh, That's the little bit I'd like to get to, but I might have to sift through a lot of shaft to get to that little, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, there there's a few things out there that I just 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 are just one step too close to the edge for me. And I'm right there on it, so that's <laughs> what, saying that's what, saying a lot. What would be an example? Well, I think there are some. I can't. I can't say specifically. There's just some conspiracy theorists that just I think take things one 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 bit too far. I mean, I believe there's a lot of government secrecy and a lot of government evildoers, and I don't think everything is the way we think it is. I don't think life is really as it appears in most cases, but. Um, I think sometimes they get paranoid, and I'm not saying they're they have a mental illness or nothing because I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I know for myself, it's very easy once you're involved in something in whatever whatever particular thing you might be into, whether it's you know an occult or a demonology or paranormal or UFOs or conspiracy theorists or whatever. Um, it's really easy to get sucked into that. And um, then you start to blame every little weird thing or every little thing that happens or goes wrong on that particular thing. Like for the experiences I've had, it would be very easy for me to say, um, you know, oh, my keys, I misplaced them. And then I found them somewhere else. Oh, the aliens did that. You know what I mean? And just go off on off in left field on on go crazy with it and just let it consume me and take over my whole life and blame everything on it. Well, that can happen in any any genre, you know, and some people, I think that that they let that happen to them and they get they go overboard. They get carried away or swept away with it. They need to um, they need to get grounded somehow. Keep one at least one foot on the ground, you know, because mm-hmm. they do get a little overboard on some of that stuff. So I guess my final question is, you've said that you this appeals to you because um you want to reach people. You want to teach people, essentially, right? And I want to learn. And you want to learn. What is it that you have to teach, and ultimately, what is it you're learning? Well, what I have to teach, I, I'm really not sure about. All I know is that I have to. I have to tell my story. I have to share what's in my mind and what's in my heart. I mean, that's my that's my drive. That's my um, motivation. My destiny. You know. What I have to teach is going to be different for each person because they're going to take from me what they need. And and what I have to learn is, oh, my God, until the day I die, I'm going to I'm not going to stop learning because there's just too much to to know. And I want to know it all. <laughs> I told you my head had stretch marks <laughs> <laughs> along with my booty. That's another story. <laughs> you had to go there. I know it. Dang. Uh, well, why don't you give us your website um, or websites for, for both podcasts? Well, both podcasts come from the uh, Midwest Paranormal Radio Network, and it's uh, paraquestradionetwork.com. Big mouthful. It's all one word. And then uh, once you get to the website, you can go to the shows. There's a thing of – there's a row, a column of different things to do on the on – the, uh, left side and you go to the shows then you'll see the banners and you'll see the different shows and all you do is click on the the banner and it takes you right to the show um there's an archive page so that if you you know miss a show you can go to the archives and and listen to it or download it and that is paraquestradionetwork.com 
and it's the uh, Midwest Paranormal Network. Very good. Deb. <laughs> you do that to me all the time. Cobble, cobble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. Thank you so much for doing this. And as I've been telling everyone, for doing this on such short notice. <laughs> oh, uh, only for you, Vaney. I appreciate it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my very last specialist guest of all, So the Jeff. So the Jer. Thank you for joining me on this show called Paratopia. Perhaps you've heard of it? Perhaps. I, I used to be a regular. Ah! Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Nothing? <clears throat> So anyway, uh, what we're talking about, I've been going around here talking to various podcasters from the new to the old and asking them, essentially, questions about how we listen and why we listen. Why do we still listen, meaning listen to guests, listen to other people? Why have we taken this on as our hobby, especially those who are uh, disenchanted with the prospect of finding an answer in this muck? I... Why do you still <laughs> listen? Although you, you do it less and less nowadays, but why do you listen? Why are you still here? What is it you're hoping to learn, if not the truth? Gosh, that's a good question. I think... Um, that's why I did a show on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you're so smart. Um, Hold on. Self-satisfaction setting in. Yeah. There, okay. There it is. Go with that. Go ahead. I think... Um, to tell you the God's honest truth, I listen to Psychedelic Salon more than anything these days because there's a lot of McKenna on there. And, um, I mean, I've listened to to most of the user-generated ones that we've got on here. I haven't listened to Tim's show recently. I haven't listened to the Paracast in ages. I haven't listened to Erie in ages, actually, either. Um I don't know. Psychedelic Salon seems to be, for me, at least the place where I feel like I hear the most thought-provoking stuff. I mean, it, for me, it's I like to uh, I like to be taken in different ways that I wouldn't normally think of, or maybe uh, in some cases there's things that McKenna says or or Huxley or any of these people that that seem to ring a bell with what I'm familiar with, which is paranormal stuff. And and seeing the, I'm really getting off lately. Just hearing the connections uh, between psychedelic experiencers or, or those uh, contained within people's experiences, even in the pursuit of uh, psychedelic uh, experiences, that kind of mirror into things in the paranormal realm. So that's probably a, a lot of the reason that I still I still listen to that. I mean, I've still been. Uh, I mean, I've done the occasional episode on Paratopia here lately. And let's be honest, probably uh, Teokasin was right. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, I haven't, I have to say and be honest about it. You know, I haven't found the, my absence from doing this regularly. Um, I have missed it to a certain degree, but I've kept myself pretty busy with band work and, and, uh, and artwork and all of that. So, you know, 
I, I've been busy, but I have to say I haven't stopped thinking about it. I certainly haven't stopped reading about it. And, um, and you know, and certainly when it comes to Psychedelic Salon or, um, you know, any number of, of programs on television that I've been watching lately, namely, you know, the usual, the Ghost Hunter stuff and, and all that. The Ghost stuff is still really interesting to me, but I have to say I haven't had a lot of time to pursue it lately. There's a broader... I guess maybe philosophical or mechanical human question that I haven't really dug into with and uh, with any of the people I've talked to so far. Mm-hmm. But you and I have talked about this briefly. Just the nature of the relationship between listening and meaning. Um, is it possible to listen objectively to things, or are you always listening with the intent to fortify your own beliefs? or have that aha moment that leads you in a new direction or, you know, force your own view onto a view being expressed to you. Uh, is there any way to objectively listen to somebody or objectively read something and really hear what they're saying? Or is that a futile effort? I think it depends on the person. I mean, for me, I don't, uh, uh, I try very hard not to, um, lump any kind of like I know this about this uh, meaning I don't have any concrete belief system around this stuff and uh, and so for me it's looking for threads that seem to feel right or seem to have some kind of I don't know natural progression for me I guess in terms of some people out there I mean and I think we talked about this earlier this week it's like you you get the feeling that uh and we've said we've we've actually said this before that people listen to shows and no matter how well you explain something or how much you try to um, analytically detail what you think about any number of subjects, that people genuinely hear what they want to hear, uh, and so that makes communication difficult when you're talking to a mass audience and some people just uh, like you say are, are trying to read in to kind of substantiate their own thoughts or their own suspicions about certain things. And when you have that suspicion as well, uh, that's taken as some kind of confirmation. I don't think that's necessarily what that represents. It just means similar thoughts from different people that, that even though they may be far-reaching and, and, and stretchy and elastic at times, it still doesn't, you know, doesn't negate that uh, uh, different people might think up the same type of uh, scenario and, voice that and then some people see that as confirmation of something and it really to me isn't it's just confirmation that other people think alike as well i had a uh, situation on a phone with a friend yesterday that you will appreciate mm-hmm. which was she says to me she's been thinking really hard about piecing together streber's book the key with some of his older stuff communion and transformation and talking about aliens in terms of they contain all the good and all the evil, you know, they are the all. They, they've reached that all consciousness. And so if you've got that, what she calls God's mind, you know, merged with Godhead state of mind, then you are all of everything. You are all good. You are all evil at the same time. And so how we perceive them, it's going to be filtered through us. Uh, and we're, so we're going to filter that all through our narrow, you know, set of expectations and filters and all that stuff and only see a piece of it. And she presented this to me like, wow, isn't this amazing that I thought of this? And I just said to her, I've been saying that to you for years. 
Like, what are you talking about? That's, right. That's me you're quoting. That's not you who just thought right. that up. Because this right. isn't like someone who has never heard me speak. This is someone I talk to all the time about this stuff. Right. Right. And that's when it dawns on you how people really can't hear what what is being said until they're ready to hear it. Right. Uh, right. And then, well, they, and, they have and, to and reach... by that point, and by that point, it's their own inner thought giving it to them. It's their own yeah. Trauma. Well, I mean, whether however they reach that, I mean, it, it, it tends to be. I mean, and for some people, this is true. For some people, um, they have to reach it on their own, and they don't understand what you're trying to tell them, or they don't they don't hear it. Um, but um, uh, you know, when they reach it on their own, it's just a big epiphany. You know, um, I mean, I don't think that's that unusual. Uh, I think that's what we all do. Uh, it, it is. It is. Um, and, you know, like I say, I'm apparently thicker than most. So for me, I don't um, – lately I'm not seeing anything that's really turning my head around and making me look. It's just, you know, ufology, if you want to tone in on that viewpoint alone, I, I've i kind of kept my pulse around here and there. And I don't see anything changing in any vast way. I don't see anyone else coming to some big uh, – Epiphany. It seems to be pretty much the same old X Files as it's always been, um, and it's continuing the downward slope, as far as I can tell. But I think, as I said to you, I think a lot of people these days don't really listen, and I don't know if that's a product of how this stuff works, or, or I, I tend to think it's not how a product of this. Or I tend to think it's just the way people are these days. Is that, uh, you know, as the movie says, you know, uh, nobody really listens to anybody. They're just waiting for their chance to talk. And uh, and I think that that's largely where you get uh, a lot of confusion. And, and you pick up only half of what somebody says and then reinterpret it. And then when you're in a discussion with them one-on-one, they're like, that's not what I said. <laughs> you know, which causes all kinds of confusion. Why do you think we listen with the intent to speak as opposed to listening with the intent to listen. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, I think, and I mean, at least in terms of this subject, because I can't really speak to much else, uh, you know, on our little forum here. I think as far as this stuff goes, I think people get so incredibly impassioned with what they think. Uh, and there are so few people probably in their lives day to day that they can actually expound their thoughts to that when they do have the chance to talk with like-minded individuals, either on the net or on a podcast or what have you, I think that it's like a floodgate. It's like a floodgate just opens for these people and they want to tell you every single um, intimate thought that they have about this subject, whether it's ghosts, whether it's UFOs, whatever. I, I think when people get in a, in, in a mass situation like that in a paranormal group or circle, I think that that's when everything has to come out because, you know, everybody feels like what they have to say is valuable. Uh, I don't think any of us are inept or, you know, rather immune from that. I think that's really it. I think it's just this burning desire to talk to other people about strange shit. And there's so few outlets for that where they can really do that. And so that's probably where it comes from. At least that's what I notice the most of. It's like, you know, this person has a lot to say. They obviously don't have anyone to talk to in their daily life about this. Mm-hmm. 
that's just my thought. I mean, I, as far as the big scope of why people are like that, I, you know, um, I'm not a psychologist. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and since I've got you here, mm-hmm. <laughs> trapped and all, uh, I know you listened to my show, which was more you-centric than than I thought when I was recording it, but listening yeah, back to it. Yeah, a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot about you in there. <laughs> uh, what did you think about what I had to say about artists in particular, you being the perfect storm of focus, intensity, and uh, open to flow of creativity. I mean, yeah, it's, it's sounds like it would work. I, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, it, it's, I, I mean, like everything else I say, well, it's as good as an answer as anything else, or it's as good a direction to think of in anything else. So I don't know. The only thing I can tell you about me is like, if it's, if it's this, if it's whatever it is, for me, it's always been all or nothing, you know, and um, and I, I still, I, I put, and that's every, that's into everything. Uh, that would be an example of intensity, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just validating what you're saying. Is yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, for me, it's all or nothing, and so um, you know, thinking back upon. Uh, I don't know what a good five, seven year period of my life where it was literally a three ring circus that I can say held true for there. I mean, I, I literally spent every waking moment thinking about this subject, uh, pondering it, looking for it, running from it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, like poking a stick in a, you know, in a cave. And then when something pulls a stick out of your hand, you run away, you know, I mean, it's that, it's that type of thing, but I was I was completely encased in it. Do you, you think know? you've accidentally or maybe incidentally uh, disciplined yourself in that way, so that your mind is always on that intensity? It's always, uh, you know, you're always going to eleven. Hmm. I don't know. I think I've always been that way. <laughs> I mean, even from the time I was a little kid, that was the way I was. So, were you I the mean, spaz kid that nobody picked on? Because if you picked on you, you would. Like destroy them? <laughs> no, and no. In fact, I didn't. Um, in a fury of craziness and no, I was limbs. the one who always. No, I was the one who always avoided that. I always avoided any kind of conflict or anything like that. I mean, for years and years and years. And you know, like all things, I mean, when you blow the balloon up too much, it buzz break, and eventually I broke and you know started slugging people. But uh, <laughs> you know, and for that matter, I find myself a lot more apt to. Uh, to to snap these days more than ever. I mean, as I get older, I notice that it's that that part of me, at least the anger part of me and the intolerance of me, just tends to ramp up. So, uh, and I've, I've you know I've been trying to to kind of dial that back, and I think I have. What about uh, Lisa seeing these things? Do you think she sees them because they're equally there in the room for anyone who's in the room to see, or do you think that uh, because you two are married, she has? Uh, adopted part of your mindset or something along those lines no i don't think that i think that if i uh, were there would i see this stuff yes okay to be honest with you though when it comes to her i think you know there there used to be a time and i don't like talking about her when she's not in the room but uh there used to be a time that when we would go to i don't know a mufon meeting or something and we'd be standing in a group talking and Somebody would ask, well, what's your deal? What are you here for? And we would go into our shared experience in the truck that everyone now has heard about 
you know, she would get really emotional about it. And, and even to this day, she still gets pretty emotional about it. Um, crying and, and not exactly sure why she's crying about it, uh, other than, uh, you know, going through the story of saying that the being in the, in the vehicle with her was like sorrowful, like such just dripping with sorrow. And that seems to really affect her. And I, I think that in talking with her for, well, we're going to be married 20 years. It's like, uh, there are things throughout her personal history that she doesn't talk all that much about, but there are some very strange, strange things that come up in her past history that, I would not be shocked, surprised if, you know, at the end of the ride, we find out that she is um, an experiencer of something uh, or that she is equally um, involved in, in all of this in some capacity. I don't know how, it, unless it's just that, uh, you know, she's one of those every blue moon people. Uh, but there there seems to be a lot of strange things in her past that don't seem to add up to me, but she does not. Um, she does not harbor my fear about it at all, which is impossible for me to comprehend. I, I'm like, how can you not be afraid of this? How can this not make you afraid? And she's like, it just doesn't. I don't know. I'm just not, doesn't make me afraid. Then again, she likes roller coasters and I don't. <laughs> so, you know. Um, well, you know, what's interesting is talk to uh, Stacy Lowry of the Black Fridays for this. Mm-hmm. And he is someone who on the surface, you know, he's very bubblegum and, uh, has no experience in any of this at all and mm-hmm. just is interested in talking to people. He really likes talking to people. And then then he admits that, well, his mom did have some sort of odd ghost experience and mm-hmm. that was definitely uh, unexplainable. And, well, gosh golly, he had a couple of incidents. He didn't say what they were. He, he talked about what his mom's was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had some incidents himself, but they might have been, they happened around, you know, he, when he was sleeping, so it could have been dreamtime hallucinations or something. Right. And then you find out his brother used to have a paranormal radio show, which is where he got uh, some of his paranormal equipment, I mean, some of his, excuse me, some of his radio equipment from. Okay. Uh, so, once again, you see that, that there is no bubblegum, I'm not really interested in this, I'm just here uh, on a lark thing no, going of course on. Not. No, there, there's always something underneath that. Right. And I find it interesting that he uh, he doesn't he doesn't see it that way. <laughs> Even if he can sort of talk about these things. I think right. that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there is a casual involvement in this. And if there is, it's, you know, it's message board stuff and you're probably looking for something else <laughs> other than paranormal stuff. You're probably looking for just, you know, rational discussion of something or debate or whatever. I mean, there's some, some classes of personality I'm sure are just that alone. So, right. Uh, well, let me just sort of wrap it up here by bringing it back to the main set of topics. What, what about meaning? What, what in this has meaning for you? Anything? Can you, I'm sorry. Can you clarify that? Like (laughs) some way? Well, I mean, if you're not listening, um, if you're not listening with the intent to talk, then mm. you're absorbing and you're developing thoughts about these things and you're, it's forming a meaning for you and you're still here. So you're still getting some sort of meaning out of it. it there's something that, that means something to you in what you're hearing on uh, 
what is it, psych- psychedelic salon? Right. So what is that? What is the nature of that? What is it that that's still speaking to you? Huh. Like, what haven't you heard that you're hearing now? I, I don't know that it's anything I haven't heard. I think it's just uh, the different ways that it's being put to me. You know, I, I think the idea of uh, of listening to somebody like Terrence talk about uh, what the mushroom personality you know gave him and how it gave it to him and and I hear familiar rings in that and that just kind of makes me want to know more what am I getting out of it what am I getting out of it uh I don't know I think I'm getting that um <laughs> I think that I'm getting that there's a real point in this that 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 seems to come up over and over and over and over and over and over is that all of this, if you are to, I don't want to say confront it, if you are to see it and to go on living your normal life uh, and not be consumed by it, I, I think that's, I think that's a good way for me to look at it. At least it's like I want to be able to observe this when I want to, but I don't want to allow it to consume me in any way. Um, because it has in the past. And I think, you know, Terrence talks a lot about, you know, that all of this stuff takes a, a measure of courage on our part to to understand, to engage, to uh, separate from, and then to learn from. And so, I mean, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've learned a lot uh, about people. I've learned a lot about why people act the way they are. I've learned a lot about myself and my perceptions of other people and me. I mean, I don't, I, I can't put my finger on any one thing that I could say, this is, this is why I keep coming back or this is why I learned. I mean, you know, I guess in a certain way for me, it's like addiction because it's, I still have that burn to know what the hell is going on and I don't, and I want to know more and I want to know why. But as far as getting any answers, I'm not getting any answers. What keeps me engaged, I guess, is just the still wanting to know. And I don't think anyone's, uh, hit on it even remotely yet. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that your last show, you know, the last discussion you had on the show w- was really interesting, but I don't know that that's, I don't know that all of that rings for me. I don't know that, uh, that anybody can be a perfect storm and, and manifest this stuff in such a way that other people can see it who aren't supposed to be there or aren't supposed to see it. I, I mean, I don't know. I, it, I don't know. I'm still, infinitely perplexed by all of it and um and to be honest with you if i'm into, if i'm to listen to any other program or watch any other show i have to be honest and say that most times it's not for the quality of the sh- of the show it's to sit and uh in a state of self abuse and listen to the drivel that goes on <laughs> <laughs> i mean because i just go oh my god like why are jeremy and i not still doing paratopia like every week, like gangbusters and trying to do something with it. You know, I mean, um, you know, to the point where I've thought about coming back to it and, um, and that's not off the table yet, but you know, it would just have to be for us. It would have to be a lot more regimented schedule than it was before. And you know what I mean by that, but our listeners probably don't because they got a regular show every week. <laughs> it seemed regimented to them. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what kind of keeps you. I like to keep my finger on the pulse and just see where everything is going and what people are thinking and 
and then pretty much sitting back in my chair and wiping the sweat off my brow going, man, that was a hard show to endure. And certainly not talking about podcasts, but rather just you know broadcast TV. I mean, it just gets I, – I, I still firmly believe all of this paranormal stuff is going to implode at one point or another here very, very soon. Very soon. In what way? What do you mean? Well, I think it's going to take the same route that every other um, – really popular thing in, in pop culture has done. I think it's, you know, it's interest, then it's obsession, then it's popularity, and then it's parody. And I think it's heading down towards parody now. I mean, and once it hits parody, it's not too long before it leaves the public eye. And I say, great. God, how many times over the years did we say, God, there should be more heads in this. There should be more eyes on this. And now that we've got them, we don't want them. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just that's the way I see it going. I see eventually all of this stuff is going to become. Uh, it may even turn on itself. It it may even turn out that we have more uh, debunking shows coming on TV than we do, you know, paranormal shows. Well, let me ask you this. I guess I do have one more, one more, one more question. Yeah, keep going. It's fine. Which is something I asked Banal. Uh, do you think it matters the quality of mind applying itself to this field? Do you think if everyone were Jacques Vallée that we'd be any closer to understanding this, or do you think that that's irrelevant? Huh. Can I think about that for a minute? <laughs> um, Take your time. I can edit. I mean, we're always bitching about charlatans and, you know, delusional people and all that, so you take them all out, you replace them with... Michu Kaku and Jacques Vallée, and, and then what do you got? Something better? <laughs> Would we be getting anywhere? Uh, only theoretically. <laughs> How's that for an answer? There you go. Only theoretically. I think maybe they'd have better theories on stuff, but... In uh, <sighs> your dealing with this phenomena, do you think that the phenomena itself would change uh, or change in relationship to us? If we had that type of mind working stuff out, do you think that there is that uh, quality in the relationship between us and it or us and them? Hasn't there always been? Right. So <laughs> what do you think that – I mean I don't know. Just just talking here. We're just two guys talking. Uh, what do you think the nature of that change would be if uh, this weren't a field of schmucks and charlatans? Huh. I don't think it could be any other way. So, I mean, for me, that would be pretty impossible to to <laughs> do. I, I, in other words, I, in other words, you know, you, we're you, in other words, you're coming at it from the angle that uh, uh, you know we've got uh, crooks and thieves in this in this field, which I don't disagree with you about. Um, and so, would it be different if all of this field were filled with uh, scientists and doctors and PhDs of every kind and theologians and all of this and Frankly, the field makes us, you know, we don't make it uh, per se in that direction. I mean, I think really that it wouldn't be the UFO slash paranormal field if it weren't filled with crooks and charlatans, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, that's the trickster theory that it's. Yeah. It's attracting what it attracts. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the appropriate mix of, you know, nuts and bolts. So, I mean, it's the consummate chef of reality, right? I'm going to copyright that, by the way. Um, I don't, I don't, would it change if it were nothing but those people involved? Um, 
most likely. Um, you know, again, you'd have to get a group of people together. I mean, you know, the old MJ12 bunch, uh, you know, alleged MJ12 bunch. Uh, that was a pretty good cross section of every sort of person, and you know, but it would have to be like Jacques Vallée has said in, in past years. You know, that it would have to be this multidisciplinary group that. Uh, that could come together under some sort of common goal to study this. And then if they're studying it, what are they studying? And can theology and and uh, theoretics and hardline science come together and actually work together under some sort of common goal to understand this? And that's, that's the real, that's the real hurdle to me. It's not, uh, uh, can you get all of them to recognize that there even is a phenomenon? So there's got to be that common thread to start with. So already the pool was tainted for me. You understand what I'm saying yeah. for this? And that's the thing is, yeah, okay, let's put together all of these different disciplines that are all going to work on the UFO phenomenon. Let's just say the UFO phenomenon uh, for a start. I don't think you're getting a scientist who doesn't think – he wants to poo-poo it all away. I don't think you're getting that person to join that team. And uh, – I mean, if you are, great. I mean, but obviously everybody's coming to the tables with their own preconceived notions from the get-go. I, I don't know that it's – I don't know that it would really make much difference to have a, a team like that together. Certainly better minds, you would think, you know, you get out what you put into it. So you may get some better quality data, but I don't know that that data is going to be any less tinged than it would be from the fruitcakes. Agree? Disagree? No? Yes? I don't think that that data is going to be any better than you get from the fruitcakes. I mean, in terms of, you know, course, I'm not, no, I mean, let's not make the mistake here. We don't, uh, we don't think Chet and his Bermudas in front of the tree is going to be as good as uh, an analytical report on the uh, scientific study of orb phenomena. You know, I mean, of course, there's going to be a, a level of uh, professionalism with how it's presented, but ultimately, when you get right down to brass tacks, is it going to be any less tainted by human perception and any less tainted by human expectation uh, than anything else? And I don't think it would be. I think it would be pretty much the same, just presented in different, more coherent formats. Right. And better educated formats, which is still valuable. It's still more valuable. I shouldn't say less value or equal value. It's it's the same value. Um it would just be a lot easier to digest, probably better explained, probably backed up by a little more science than, you know, Chet in his underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, well, I think it would be getting back to the all consciousness versus separate splinters. It would be various splinters of expertise going to work on their piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. uh, in presenting all of these little pieces, not seeing the whole thing in one gulp because that's mm-hmm. not what our brains are doing right now. Right. Um, but I think those pieces, just like any branch of uh, education, would be uh, more authentic and more grounded in reality than silliness. Than chat. Well, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> yeah, chat. I mean, I think they would describe something real. Now, whether or not they go overboard and say, well, this is all of it, or. Uh, you know, but I think they can explain a component of it, even if they, even if they can't get the whole engine, I think they could figure out what the component parts are, you know, even if they can't quite figure out how they all work together. Well, and I think the bottom line is, is when you've got a conglomerate like that, I mean, it's, it's, these, these kind of groups are always the same. 
uh, you know, the theologian comes to an aspect of it and, and hits a wall and says, well, from what I'm seeing here, it's X. And the scientist goes, there's no way you're standing on a stage with me and saying that. Uh, so, you know, there'd be, a, there'd be uh, I, I think that when you got down to each of these scientists, theologians, the, uh, philosophers, whatever, getting up and, and stating their case as to what they think it is, I think that, that would probably be as varied as the science, scientific disciplines themselves. Well, I don't think and so that theology you know, in there. I think that's your first mistake. I don't think you can. Well, I mean, bottom line, who's going to say, well, this is what I think based on this Bible I've read. Well, the bottom line is spiritual. The spiritual nature of things would have to be represented for the human form to be taken into it at all. I mean, you know, not the religious, you know, well, I'm I'm speaking, you know, purely for, well, spiritual theologian, whatever. I mean, it would be the same thing. Everybody's got a spiritual belief one way or another. Yeah, but you and can't so you're bringing that in there. A, I'm, I'm saying that you can't fairly compare uh, scientific work or findings to a book of parables because you believe in the book of parables. I mean, that just it just doesn't work to me. I, I know people are trying to do that, what with yeah. creationism and all. but uh, Well, that's what it would be. I mean, that's what it would be. I mean, if you had to get... Well, in this perfect world, together. we're eliminating that. <laughs> in your perfect world, we're eliminating that. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's – I don't care. Even still, you'd still have you know five different answers from five different people um, or at least five different suppositions of data uh, from five different people. I don't know. To that end, I don't know how much value that would really give. Would those represent five different ways that this authentically works? Um, if they even got that far. I mean, this is a really – I mean, we're talking in real broad general generalizations here. I mean, we'd have to first think of, you know, what are they going to be studying? Physical effects, environment, you know, environmental effects, psychological effects, spiritual effects. Let's not leave that up. I mean, you know, all of these things would have to kind of. I don't think you get all of them to agree. Is the point? I mean, I think that any time that you get a group together like this, I, I don't think that you're going to get all of them to to the table and say, we're all going to look at, at this objectively and we're not going to, we're going to try and not to put our, our notions onto this, but that's impossible not to do because if you're educated in quantum physics uh, and quantum theory, then of course, everything that you're going to be looking at, you're going to be looking at through those goggles because without those goggles, why are you at the table? Well, right, but so then there needs to be the the person or committee of people or whatever that recognizes, even if that physicist can't, that each of these perspectives are getting at it from their own angle. You know, like it's not about agreeing or arguing; it's about getting to the truth. And so, if you're going to get to the big all truth through component parts, then you do need somebody to sit back and go. All right. Uh, thank you very much, physicist. Thank you very much, philosopher. Thank you very right. much, whatever. Right. And who are those people going to be? Uh, Ted Rowe and Narcap. No. And what? And what's the, what? <laughs> and again, what's their preconceived notion? What? What are they going to favor more or less? Well, or not? I think you don't favor anything more or less as far as the component parts go. You know, like the physics research is the physics research. The ground trace research is the ground trace research. Mm-hmm. You respect all of them on their own terms. Hmm. So that'd be a that'd be a disciplinary nice, approach, you know. That'd, that'd be a nice world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, why do we listen? Oh wait, <laughs> I've got completely <laughs> off the rails here. 
No, that's fine. I mean, believe me, I'd like nothing more than for that to be what Jacques Vallée is secretly doing right now. <laughs> you know, um, you know, because I know there was rumors of that a while back that there was some kind of super team getting together to do this kind of thing. And I, I think it'd be great. Uh, I think it'd be fantastic to see what they could come up with. But, you know, for me, at, at least at this point in my head, just speaking completely off the cuff as to what I really think. It's like everybody's worried about getting to the truth, and I don't even know that there is one to get to. Um, I don't know if there is one, you know, uh, all-encompassing theory that's going to get this or even multi-encompassing you know, encompassing theories that are going to kind of hone this down into something that we can get our, our tentacles around. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know that that's part of it. I don't, you know, it could be... Um, uh, you know, we've said over the course of doing this show, like that there's a UFO experience that seems to be tailored to an individual experiencer. And we all know what that means by this point, that there's different perceptions than then, then there's the cultural filters over top of everything. Well, what if that's what this is? What if that is what this phenomena is? It's tailored to every single person in a different way, uh, which is what it seems to be. And everybody's got their own little piece of the pie. See, this is this to me is the reason that there's so much arguing and infighting in this because when you're affected by it, you're immediately on the defensive for anything that doesn't fit into your pie. Uh, and so when it doesn't fit into your pie but you know what happened and you know how it fits into your reality – and Mary Jane says it's, you know, little proctologists from uh, Alpha Centauri, that doesn't jive with you. But for her, that is the hardcore truth reality of her situation. And so there's your infighting right off the get-go. That's where people are debating all of this stuff. It's because nobody's really taking a step back and looking at the 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 overarching sphere of what is going on to all of these different people. And can you kind of make a cake out of that? <laughs> and I don't know if you can or not. And so what if science looks at this and says, well, here's what we've come to find out. It's as different as every one of you. And all of us knowing that, you know, the filters, the perceptions, the the whatever is the same or or is all different, as unique as each person is, that can make something really hard to tie down, which is why I think what you're saying and what you've been saying about uh, – oneness and this sort of thing. This is where I think you may get at it. Here lies the problem in the lesson. And let me, I'll just leave you with my little last nugget here, which is what if these are beings from Uranus or from wherever, from here, crypto, it doesn't matter where, but what they're doing is they, they are whole beings, or if you want to say masters of uh, mind mm -hmm. that this trickster element it's not like some devil trickster or whatever. It's that they have developed this or they either there's a law in the universe called the trickster law that they can tap into and bend to their will or they can just create it and and basically camouflage themselves uh, in, in this tricksterism. Then we can never get at it uh, because everything will always hit that warped mirror and it will always come back looking silly. All right. We'll never see what the real reflection is. Mm -hmm. Um so the lesson there is that science can't touch it. Religion can't touch it. You and I experiencing it can't touch it. With the mind that we have now, the end. <laughs> so mm. what do you do? You change your mind, right? Or 
or you don't. But you definitely aren't going to get at it with the brain tools we're using currently. Hmm. I'll go along with that to a point, yeah. See, it's too hard to talk about this without getting into things that I don't even feel like bringing up. But uh, (laughs) I think that by the course of this show, I think that we've seen a fair amount of tricksterism in play. To kind of echo what I've heard Whitley say a couple of times, which is whatever these beings are and whatever they represent, they're more involved in daily life than any of us would dare or care to imagine about. And that's what's really fearful about them. That's what's really the most, um, that's the most worrisome element to a lot of people. And I actually think he's right. I really do. I think this whole thing works in suggestion and it works on uh, uh, emotion uh, and all of those sorts of things. And, and, and that, admittedly, is going to be a hard thing to bypass. Seeing through different eyes with it, looking at it in different eyes, you know, to me sounds great, but the problem is is then bringing that back for the people who don't wear those goggles or don't have those. Uh, but you can't. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's a belief system. Exactly. And there's your other, you know, there's your leg or other leg in the, in the, uh, the claw trap. I mean, you know, like George says, I mean, the sooner you realize that you're not going to figure it out and you just stop and, uh, and start looking at the, I mean, this is what's, you asked me what keeps me around it. What, what really kind of keeps me engaged in it. I think George Hansen's thing of always look about what surrounds someone with this, always look at what is surrounding the phenomena, not so much the phenomena itself. That's almost secondary to me. It really has become for me looking more at the people, what's going on in their lives. What's the, what's the ebb and flow of the, or their, their, their reality, their everyday life. How is that interrupted? How has it changed? How, how are they transformed by it? Um, all of that I find a lot more interesting than the dog and pony show that we know as the paranormal. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I find even more interesting. You know, you always hear in this uh, the fairy folklore, and even in Streber's case, or at least in Communion, you know, they say, you want to come with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the fairy tale, you're not coming back. You know, right. and Streber, of course, asks, can I come back? And they say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he says, I had the feeling they meant no. They meant forever. Right. Uh, And then that seems scary on the face of it, but maybe the truth is if you were to go with them, what does that mean? You don't get, you know, are are you going to be able to go with them as you are, or do you become this other thing? And then how useful are you if you came back? Maybe it's not that you can't physically come back. Maybe it's that you would immediately be crazy uh, and (laughs) useless to society if you came back. Because how could you be yourself at that point, knowing what you now know or being what you now are? You couldn't come back and be a normal, quote-unquote, human. And that, again, depends on what they mean by go with us. Meaning what? Meaning all of me, physically, everything? I'm going with you, all of me? Why can't I come back? What's the problem? You know, you can come back, but you can come, you can step through the purple door. Why can't I come back and forth through the purple door like you do? I don't know. Um, well, how would you relate to anyone if you came back? How do I relate to anyone now? 